Thank you for tuning in to the Fly Mastery Podcast, where our goal is to provide tools, resources, and insights that empowers driven individuals to become the masters of their financial independence journey. I'm Peter Donisanu. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about one reason why you might want to consider investing in emerging markets. Now, investing in emerging markets isn't for everyone. And the reason being is that because diverse economies and markets require deliberate decision-making among varied opportunities. Now, we recorded this podcast because we believe that with a long investment time horizon, higher tolerance from risk, and willingness to learn more about this increasingly relevant part of the world, some investors might benefit from including emerging markets as part of a diversified allocation in their investment portfolio. At the end of our time together, my hope is that you have a better understanding of the opportunities, challenges, and risks related to investing in emerging markets. So with these points in mind, let's jump into this week's podcast. Now, emerging markets have experienced a significant transformation over the past two decades. And one way to think about this change is in terms of a business startup. Now, decades ago, many of the world's emerging markets were seen as a metaphorical economic startup that produced low-cost textiles and were a source of the world's commodity exports. Indeed, manufacturing, offshoring, foreign direct investment, and export activity were critical to emerging market growth early on. With the help of early investors and a host of governance changes, many of these countries today have become vital influencers in the global consumer and technological marketplace. Like a startup business would deliver to its investors, this rising success has delivered to its population higher levels of financial wealth. That's why today, a young demographic and higher levels of wealth are likely poised to spur the next leg of growth in the emerging market story. So why does the age of a population matter? Well, a young, wealthy population is, is inclined to spend more on goods and services than one that is aging. According to the economic life cycle hypothesis, young individuals typically focus their early working years on growing earnings while building up to a certain level of consumption on goods and services. Theoretically, these same individuals will use their savings later on in life to maintain an even level of spending throughout retirement. Outside of a purely theoretical framework, we can think of events like getting married, starting a family, and planning for the future as reasons why some younger individuals are more inclined to spend on goods and services than their older counterparts. Now, this spending pattern is one reason why consumption is likely to pay an increasingly important role in emerging market growth over the coming years as developed economies continue to age. So how different are the demographics in emerging markets versus more advanced economies? Well, today, over 6.4 billion people live in developing economies compared to 1.3 billion in advanced or more developed economies. Among many emerging market populations, the median age now is in the low 30s. In India, for example, over half its population is below the age of 30. And how does this compare to more advanced economies? Well, in Japan, the median age is 49 years old, with only 26% of its population below the age of 30. And while the U.S. is generally considered younger than Japan, only a little more than a third of the population is under 30 here in the U.S., compared to 50% for India. And considering that India has four times as many people as the U.S., you can quickly see how this young, consumption-oriented growth narrative in emerging markets is primed to accelerate. Now, it's not enough to say that a young population can drive economic growth alone. Take Afghanistan, for example. While not an emerging market economy, this impoverished country illustrates how having one of the youngest populations in the world is not a ticket to wealth. 
So what's missing? Well, a young country poised for growth needs a predictable political, legal, and investment base to provide income opportunities for its growing population. And it's these critical factors that are missing in Afghanistan, but have led to rising wealth in some emerging market countries over the past 20 years. While we talk about emerging markets as a single unit, much of the past growth in this part of the world has been really driven by Asia. For decades, countries in Asia have built up their wealth by stabilizing their political environments, cutting bureaucratic red tape, and introducing predictable and enforceable rules of law. Now, these actions have arguably underpinned the startup phase of the economic growth we mentioned earlier. And these initial efforts resulted in a rise in foreign firms establishing a local presence that brought billions of dollars in foreign capital investment to emerging market countries. At the same time, leaders made a deliberate effort to reinvest their newfound tax base back into their local economies. These reinvestments included building infrastructure, making it easier for individuals to start small businesses, and it's given rise to the firms that today compete on a global scale. Now, when we think about economic reforms in emerging markets, China is the most prominent example of this positive outcome. This is because policy changes by Chinese leader Deng Xiaoping in the 1970s led to an opening up of the country's economy that ushered in a flood of investments. At the same time, policies enacted to reform state-owned enterprises, improve telecommunications infrastructure, and championing its own private sector enable China to create a base for its own economic ascendance. And while China's development is significant, it should be noted that the growth miracle isn't isolated to China alone. Now, Singapore is essentially a small city-state that went from being a developing country just a couple of generations ago to an essential part of the Asian economy. And today, it stands as a vital global financial center. South Korea is another development success story in the region, and the reforms there allowed local names like Samsung, Hyundai, and others to flourish on the global stage. And today, policy changes in countries like India, Vietnam, and Thailand and among efforts among ASEAN countries are paving the way for a new cohort of rising economies and increasing wealth for a young population ready to spend. Having moved past the startup phase and well into expanding growth, firms in emerging market countries are increasingly in need of more capital as they shift their focus from selling goods and services abroad to the, servicing their own domestic markets. Funding this expansion through bank loans alone can be costly and is one reason why business leaders look to capital markets to issue stocks and bonds as more affordable ways to fund operations. It's crucial to note that foreign investors play an essential role in these markets. Continued governance improvements and other systemic reforms increasingly make emerging markets an attractive investment opportunity for outside investors. While some foreign investors might consider the markets small or illiquid, here are two points you should know about investing in emerging markets. First, while the U.S. remains the single largest financial market globally, emerging markets have become a critical part of the global investment landscape. Today, emerging market stocks represent nearly a quarter of global market capitalization, compared to just 5% at the turn of the century. What's more, the amount of debt in these countries has risen to 25% of total global debt outstanding, with an investable universe of nearly $12 trillion in debt securities. The second thing to consider is that investing in emerging markets isn't about materials, industrials, or financials anymore. Rather, sectors oriented towards consumer spending, technology, and healthcare are quickly taking a rising share of emerging market investment opportunities and tracking the global transformation that we've just discussed. The point here is that the demographic fundamentals are driving a need for emerging market capital investment, and a young, increasingly affluent population combined with a growing capital market influence 
are likely to broaden the set of emerging market investment opportunities available to you in the coming years. Up to now, we've laid out the fundamental growth story and the capital markets opportunities for emerging markets. And if you're like many investors, you're probably asking yourself, how can you get started? Well, while it's tempting to think of emerging markets as one homogenous group, the reality is that emerging market investing is not like investing in the U.S. In fact, this universe comprises of 27 separate countries that make up the emerging markets, each with their own varying composition of stocks and bonds, exposure to state-owned enterprises versus private sector securities, and other factors like company size, sectors, and styles. That's why it's essential to consider specific risks in this area before diving in. Let's begin by taking a look at volatility. Emerging markets have a reputation for being higher risk and higher volatility for good reason. History has shown that over the past decade, emerging market stocks have exhibited higher levels of price volatility compared to U.S. stocks. Now, more specifically, equities making up the MSCI Emerging Markets Index return less than 1% annualized returns over the past 10 years, yet had more volatility than large-cap U.S. stocks. And much of this disparity can be explained by differences in regional equity performance in places like Latin America versus Asia and illustrate that higher risk does not necessarily mean higher returns at a broad level. Liquidity is another concern for investors in this space. Emerging markets are often influenced by risk-on, risk-off sentiment in global financial markets. In the past, some emerging market governments have welcomed capital inflows during periods of risk-on in the markets only to put in place measures that prevent hot capital outflows during times of financial stress. While some of these liquidity and capital control issues have eased in recent years, the risk nevertheless underscores the point that investing in emerging markets should be done with a long-term view in mind. Now, when interest rates rise, bond prices fall. This basic fixed income concept illustrates how interest rate risk may be present in emerging markets today. Fluctuating inflation and changes in monetary policy often affect the direction of interest rates in emerging market economies. And you only need to look at the events in Turkey in recent years to see how political and economic disruption led to a sharp rise in central bank policy and a rapid decline in bond prices. That's why investors should be mindful of interest rate risk when they're investing in emerging markets. Currency risk is another factor to consider. U.S.-based investors not only need to stay on top of emerging market developments, they must also be aware of what's happening with the U.S. dollar. When the dollar is weak, investment returns from emerging markets can generally be higher due to currency translation effects. The opposite is true when the U.S. dollar strengthens. And this is notably the case with local currency-denominated debt investments. How so? Well, it's because a weaker foreign currency buys fewer dollars when interest payments are brought home. Either way, staying on top of currency developments, U.S. dollar developments, is crucial to investing in emerging markets. Finally, political risk is one of the top concerns among emerging market investors. Now, changes in the political regime or a legislative structure within these countries can quickly lead to economic prosperity or its reversal. Such risks have been acutely demonstrated in Latin America where various corruption, legal, and other political issues have created uncertainty for investors. So what's been the result? Well, these developments have arguably led to Latin American equities mostly underperforming most of their peers over their past decade, and they've contributed to flat investment performance for emerging markets of, as a whole over the same period of time. Now, the takeaway here is that if you plan to get started with emerging market investing, it's not only essential to understand the narratives that drive prices higher, but also the risks that can move against those opportunities as well. 
Navigating complex risk in an ever-changing market environment can be challenging for even the most seasoned investment professional. That's why research is a crucial component of any investment journey, and it only becomes that much harder to sift through overwhelming amounts of data and reports when you're exploring a country or a region that you have little familiarity with. Fortunately, some third-party firms have helped simplify the research and security selection process in global markets generally and emerging markets specifically. One company central to the development of investment strategy within the emerging market space is MSCI. Now, MSCI is known widely for its stock market benchmarks. And what's essential to the research process is understanding the methodology that MSCI uses to add securities to its indices. Now, volumes have been written about the tools, techniques, and computations used by MSCI to build its benchmarks. Even so, here are three ways that using MSCI's research can help you in your emerging markets investment journey. First, the firm segments capital markets on factors like capital controls and market capitalization to differentiate between developed, emerging, and frontier markets. Second, the indices in many cases represent the investable universe available to foreign investors. These factors include free float, which indicates how much of a company's given stock is liquid and available to those foreign investors. And this process can take the guesswork out of knowing which firms could experience wide price swings due to low security marketability. Finally, it's important to note that you cannot directly invest in an index. And for this reason, many well-known U.S.-based asset management firms have developed investment vehicles that follow a portfolio construction process to mimic the MSCI indices. This fact can simplify the security selection process, especially when emerging market investing is not your primary vocation. Now, investment research can be onerous process. Even so, relying on robust third-party research and tools can help you shorten the amount of time you spend identifying attractive regions and securities within the emerging market universe itself. Emerging markets are transitioning from being the world's producers of low-cost goods and commodity exports to high-value, globally relevant investment destinations. These changes have brought wealth to a young population poised to spend and creating new set of opportunities for global investors. Even with this positive backdrop, is investing in emerging markets right for you? Well, finding the right opportunities likely won't be easy. Even so, if you have a long investment time horizon, a higher tolerance for risk, and willingness to learn more about this increasingly relevant part of the world, then investing in emerging markets might be one way to diversify your investment portfolio. Well, that's it for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Phi Mastery podcast. To learn more about our research, visit us at phimastery.com or email us at questions at franklinmadisonadvisors.com. Until next time, I'm Peter Bonisanu, wishing you and yours abundant health and prosperity as you pursue your own financial independence journey. Phi Mastery Podcast is brought to you by Franklin Madison Advisors, Inc. Franklin Madison Advisors is a registered investment advisor firm with its registration and principal place of business in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. This commentary and forecast are limited to the dissemination of general information pertaining to Franklin Madison Advisors investment advisory services and general economic and market conditions and are subject to change without notice. The information shared today is not intended to be personal, legal, investment, or tax advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. For additional information about Franklin Madison Advisors, including fees and services, please contact Franklin Madison Advisors or refer to the investment advisor public disclosures.